Let's just pray together, shall we? Lord, I thank you for your presence in this place, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and we welcome you here. We welcome heaven in this place. We welcome God encounters. We welcome you to move in this place, move in our lives, shift us where we need to be shifted in our hearts and our mindsets, Lord. But we welcome the angelic and the whole family of heaven. We welcome you here that we would rejoice, that we would study the word together, that we would embrace all that heaven has for us. And uh, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. What's going on out in kids' church there? Are we warm enough? No? You're cold. You need to go and snuggle with somebody. <laughs> All right, if you've got um, your Bibles with you and all your electronic devices, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16, it's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew 16 and verse 13. We're talking today about who am I? Who am I? And uh, that's a pretty big question. And even, you know, Jesus asked his disciples, and and we'll read it together from verse um, 13. Jesus came to the reason of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and other Jeremiah's. Jeremiah, Jeremiah's, it's Jeremiah the bullfrog, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When we first look at what it means to who am I, the first thing we actually got to do, and Jesus said it, is who is, who is God? Because when you... When you get an understanding of who God is, you get an understanding of who you are. And Jesus asked his disciples that, who do you say that I am? So my question firstly for you this morning is, who do you say that God is? Who do you say that he is? And Peter answered the question. He said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He got it for a minute. You read on and he seemed to lose it frequently. But in, you, know, you read on in the Bible and you get to First and Second Peter, he actually had a revelation of who Jesus is. He got it. But, you know, but he wavered and he struggled with things. But he got it in that moment. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're, the, my, you're, gonna, you know, you're our saviour. You're, you're our righteousness. You're the creator. You're everything and all in all. You're the air that we breathe. You're, we move and have our being in you. And he got it. And 
Firstly, to know ourselves, I want to say today, I think that we need to know who he is. And that's what the Bible teaches. That if we can figure out and have a revelation of who he is. And we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks, about who God says he is. But firstly, it's just for us to have an understanding, who is Jesus for us? And he is the son of the living God. Who is God? He is the creator. He is Trinity. You know, he's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is our righteousness. He makes us clean. He is our saviour. He is the creator of the universe. I mean, if you look at the universe and you look out at the stars at night and he knows them by name and he placed them in this, and you, know, you look at the universe and the galaxy and our solar system and everything being in perfection in the right place at the right time, otherwise we'd all burn up or be freezing cold. He's the creator. And it's saying, who do you say I am? So it's really important for us to figure out in our hearts and our minds who is God and to have an understanding more and more of who he is. He says, if you acknowledge my name and to understand who he is. You know, he is a Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You know, he's our banner over us. He's our peace. All those things of who God is. And you know, that's a, that's a learning journey because we have this much understanding and he's this big. But you know... It's God is good and God is great. If you can get that, that's who God is. God is good and God is great. That kind of encompasses it, you know. He is strong and he is mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the rivers, what is it? The stars are his handiwork too. You know, we're to be like little children. God is good. Turn to somebody and say, God is good and God is great. That's who God is. And you know what? He loves you and he loves me. So know who God is. And then Jesus says to Peter, so Peter figured it out. He said, hey guys, who do you say I am? And he gets it. You're God. You're my saviour. You're it. And then straight away, in verse 17, Jesus answered to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When you figure out who God is, you know what God does? He turns around and says who you are. You know, he changed Peter's name. He was Simon, and he changed him to Peter, which means rock. It means strong. It means steadfast. And Peter, he was the guy that used to mouth off. He was the one that used to have an opinion about everything. He was, uh, you know, this big burly fisherman who may not have, you know, thought before he talked. And yet, Jesus says, you are Peter, the rock, the steady one, and I'm going to build my church on you. You know, when we figure out who God is, that he is good and he is great, then Jesus turns around and he says, this is who you are. This is who you are. And, you know, to live an effective Christian life, we must know who we are and understand who Jesus has made us. When Jesus died on that cross for us and died for our sins and washed us clean and we receive that gift, you become new. You're not this old person anymore. You become new. And Jesus actually, in John chapter 3, let's read it together. It's when Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, came and spoke to Jesus in the thick of the night. He was like, he didn't want to go in broad daylight because he was a Pharisee and he didn't want to be seen 
openly. There was in verse 1 of chapter 3 of John, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus says to us, is that when you come to him, that's where the word born again comes from, because you are born again in your spirit. You are made new. And 2 Corinthians, if the passage comes up, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means that you've received what he has done, that his life becomes part of you. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So if anyone is in Christ, so when you receive Jesus and you recognize who he is, that he is your savior, that you need him, he's the creator of the universe, that he is all in all, that you live and move and have your being in him and you need him and you say, Jesus, come into my life, you become a brand new spanking creation, a new creation. And the word new there is kainos in the Greek. And you want to know what the definition in the Greek of kainos is? It means new in quality, fresh in development, not found exactly like this ever before. When you asked Jesus into your life, you became kainos, new, a new creation. That old you is not that anymore. The problem is that we don't know who we are yet. When we're struggling with the stuff that was of the past, we're struggling with the world or old habits, it's because we haven't figured out who Jesus says we are. We're like Peter who kept on forgetting because, you know, Peter, if you read in that passage, you know, Jesus talks and says what he has to do and he has to go to the cross and Peter comes to him and says, hey, I don't think you should go through that crucifixion and all that blood and awfulness. And you know what Jesus says to him after calling him, you are Peter? He says, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter forgot who he was and that he forgot what the Messiah was called to do, and he, he got it all muddled up. And straight away, he went back to the old, old Simon. And Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. Strange, isn't it? But yet we can be the same. Jesus, we say, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. Yes, I take this new life. We get this new life, and then we switch over and we get, you know, mess up because we don't know who we really are. And this morning I want to talk about that we are actually new creations and how we can get to that point of not, you know, back and forward, back and forth. Because if we can grasp who we are in Jesus, that we are new, that we are kindness, that it's not just, when, when we asked Jesus into our life, it wasn't that he just replaced the old person and made you all a bit more sparklier. He didn't just, you know, give you a wax and polish up. He didn't do that. That old person is gone. And he made you a new creation, not constrained by the this law of sin and death, not constrained by the things of the world, not constrained by things, because you actually had the DNA of heaven put on the inside of you. You are a heavenly, new, lovely being. Did you know that? You are the righteousness of Christ. You are holy. 
You can come boldly to him. He, you know, he says he's seated you, like Philip said last week, he's seated you in heavenly places. He's co-heir with him. You know, you're, it says you're a royal priesthood. You're a new creation. And it's so important for us to protect that new creation because the enemy, the stinky devil, wants to steal that because he knows that if you know that you know that you know who you are in Christ, you are unstoppable and you'll do amazing things and you'll shine. That's why Jesus said, you are the light. And sometimes we don't feel like very much like a light because we see the dark spots. But yet Jesus says, that is who you are. Just like he said to Peter, you are the rock. And Peter got it. If you'd read in 2 Peter, he says that he gives us everything for life and godliness and all the divine blessings. He got it who he was. It took him a little while and it takes us a little while, but I say to you, keep on going and and grasp hold of all that Jesus grabbed hold of you for. At our salvation, there was a heavenly exchange. The corruptible, old, stinky sin thing got pulled out of us and a new creation was implanted into us. You are not the old Donna. You're not the old Renee. You are a new creation beautiful and spectacular, and when Jesus looks at you and when the Father looks at you, they just go, oh, didn't we do a good job? Yeah? And if we start to see ourselves like that, that we are not who we were. You know, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, Jesus made a very interesting statement when he said that having wasted all his inheritance, that young young man came to himself and decided to go back home. He came to himself and realised that he was living this life that wasn't who he was. It wasn't who it was. And he came kind of, you know, slinking back home going, oh, well, I know that I'm better than that, feeding the pigs and eating their slop. I know that I'm better than that. And sometimes we're just like that, aren't we? We drift away from God and we know that we're better than that. And yet we come, you know, calf in hand back to the Father. And what does he do? He welcomes us with open arms, just like he did the prodigal son. And he says, you may have forgotten fully who you were, but I haven't. And he kills the fatted calf, and he has a major celebration, he says, and he puts a robe on him. And that's what it's like. It's sometimes when we forget who we are, we go off away from all that we have in him, our inheritance, and we mess up, and he, and he draws us back. Because suddenly we go, you know, This isn't sitting right. This isn't who I really am. We get up on Monday morning, we might have a spack attack. Yeah, and then we go, oh, that's really not who I am. You get that on the inside because you know that's not really who you are. And I want to encourage you to come back and not to feel like you have to go calf in hand because you know what the father's doing just like I haven't talked about. He's, he killed the fatted calf and they had a great big celebration and he put a robe on him just like Jesus puts a robe of righteousness on us. And he says, come here, come into the party, come into the throne room, come to me. You are welcome here. You're part of my family. You belong here because you are my child. That's who you are. Regardless of you might have forgot who you were, you can always come back. Always come back home. You can always come back home. And sometimes we've got to remind ourselves and come to ourselves and come to our senses. You're going, this is not who I am. Let's get back home. 
Let's get back home and let him just lavish his love on. You know, it says, you know, I read to you a few weeks ago, that when he, you come into God's presence, he fills your cup till it's overflowing. He anoints us with oil. That's what God wants to do to us. So remember who you are. The young man came to himself and decided to go back home. He changed his course of action for the better when he changed his thinking about himself, when he learned to see the truth about who he really was. The question, who am I, is a very important question for every human being. It is difficult to overestimate how powerfully we are affected by the way we think about ourselves, our self-concept, our sense of personal identity. And if we are serious about the question of who we really are, the place to begin is the beginning. We must come to grips with the fact that we are nothing less than God-created beings made in his image, deeply loved by him, and that we can always come home. And when you do that, when you do come home and he starts to speak love into you, you know what you've got to do? And this is where we mess up so often. We get it, don't we? We get, this is who I am. I'm so loved and I don't have to do this by myself and I don't have to carry this by myself and I don't have to have that stinky weight of guilt and sin and sickness and, and all the stuff that weighed us down when we came to him in the first place. And we come home and we, and we, and we get it, is that we've got to protect our new identity. We have to protect our new creation. You know, that's the biggest battle. One of the biggest battles for us as Christians is to protect the new creation identity that you have all been given. Because you know who's after it? Our enemy. He comes to steal and to cheat and to lie and to take it. Because he knows that if we can hold on to who we are in Jesus, we are unstoppable and we will override the gates of hell and we'll rescue people from the enemy and we'll run them out of town. And we'll run them out of our homes and our families if we can grab hold of who he has made us and who he says we are. That you are the righteousness of God, that you are worthy, that you are healed, that you are set free, that you are not a stinking sinner anymore, that you are washed with the blood of Jesus, that you are the righteousness of God, that you can come boldly to him and to his throne of grace, that you don't have to slink in there on your belly. You can walk right up to the throne and say, I'm a child of the Most High God and I belong here because of the blood of Jesus that speaks. Amen? I'll just get happy. Yeah? You are not some lowly person. You're not some, you know, I'm just me. You know, God's told me I'm not allowed to say that anymore. He's told me I'm not allowed to say I'm just little old me. He tells me off and I've got, I'm not allowed to say that because that is depleting what he has done in me. That is taking away from what, who he is in me and who he says. You know, and we've got to watch our stinking thinking and we've got to watch our self-talk because it depletes what Jesus has done for us. He went to the cross for us to give us a new creation reality. We are new creations. We have heavenly DNA on the inside of us. And if we could grab hold of that, we would walk like Jesus walked. He said, you'll do greater miracles than I have done. Why don't we live in it? Because we don't know who we are fully. We keep on getting tripped up because we're not protecting our new identity. And the enemy, he'll try to steal it. He'll try to steal it. He'll burden us down with memories of what you were like or where you've messed up or where you don't feel God. 
I don't feel any different. You know why you don't sometimes feel any different from before? It's because you've forgotten who you are. Or you haven't been looking at what God says. You know? It actually takes practice and it takes looking at who God says you are. You've spent all your life hearing what everybody else says you were. You think that straight away you're going to get who God says you are. No, it takes time and practice and reading this because this holds who God says you are. You won't know unless you get in there because you'll just keep on thinking you're this other person, this dead man. That, that person is dead. When you go into the waters of baptism, that's what that symbolizes, that you went down into the water like you went down into the grave. You were crucified with Christ. That's what that means. And we come out of the water, it symbolizes new life, new creation, coming out of the tomb, resurrection, a new being. But if we don't actually look at or see what God says about us, you know what comes in? Just our old stinky thinking. And then the world comes at you. And then while all the circumstances around you comes at you. And it eats away at that new identity and creation that you got. That you got. Jesus says you protect your identity and you build it and you make it strong. Relentlessly protect who you are in him. Because if you don't, that devil, he'll steal it off you. He'll steal it off you. You have got to draw a line on the sand and you say, you don't come over here. I am Christ's. I belong to him. Don't you come into my house. Don't you come into my thinking. When you get this thought, I'm just a unworthy, lowly sinner. You, you don't know what I've done. I don't feel any different. I still feel down. I still feel unworthy. You've got to draw a line in the sand. You say, regardless of how I feel, this is who God says I am. This is who God says I am. Are we getting it this morning? Yes? This is who God says I am and protect it. You know, there's this thing called OPA. Do you know what OPA is? Other people's assessment. We spend a lot of time thinking about what other people's assessment of us is. Don't we? OPA, thinking, what is everybody else thinking about me and assessing me, and then I assess what their assessment of me is. What an exhausting thing to do. We spend so much time worrying about what everybody else thinks about us and is talking about us and what everybody else is getting to do or be that we forget that we're meant to be focusing on who God has called me to be, who he says I am. Because he says, I formed you and created you. I knitted you together in your mother's womb. I wrote all the days of your life in my book. And I have a plan and a purpose for you. And we spend so much time looking out there that we miss what he is saying to us. And I want to remind you this morning that if you want to grab hold of all that Christ grabbed hold of you for, you've got to look up there and say, Jesus, I believe in you. You're my saviour. You wash me clean. I want to know who you say I am. Because when we get that, something happens on the inside of us. Now, I've had this happen, and God has to still remind me who I am. He has to, because I'll get this, like, these negative thoughts. Oh, you know, you're just a plebby little thing. Who are you to get up? Who are you to do that? You know, oh, you lose your temper. Oh, you have negative thoughts. You have down days. And if I listen to that stinky little voice, that's who I will become. If you think of yourself as an alcoholic, if you think of yourself as somebody who, you know, as is, is nobody wants to know, if you think of yourself as, oh, I'm always anxious or depressed or I'm poor or I don't have enough or I'm jobless, if you constantly focus on that, that's who you become. 
As a man thinks, so shall he be, Proverbs says. So Jesus, he says, this is who you are. This is who you are. That I have anointed you to be a wife and a mother. That I have anointed you, that everything you put your hand to, you will be able to do. That all things are possible. That he gives you strength for everything. If you start to focus on who Jesus says you are and what Jesus says about your circumstances, that is what you'll become. What you put out in expectation, that's what you draw to yourself. It's a spiritual principle and you can't get away from it. What you put out is what you draw. So put out, this is who I am. This is who I am. Write it on your mirror if you need to. Write it on the board around your house. It's not some spiritual mumbo-jumbo. It's saying, this is who I am. You know, the positive thinking guys, they got it out of here. They got it out of here. It's been around for a long time. They just latched onto it and made lots of money out of it. You get it here for free. Amen? It's freely given to us. You get it for free every time you wake up and pull out your Bible. It's free. Best positive thinking pep-up talk you'll ever need is by reading that word because that says who you are in him. I'm preaching myself happy. Hallelujah. You know, most of us do not live up to the calling that we have in Jesus. We live below our privilege we claim few of his promises. We fail to live up to the significance that God has given our lives. We will always act in accordance with how we perceive ourselves. Matthew 16 verse 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's pretty amazing. Jesus said, Who do you say I am? And Peter got it. You're Jesus, the son of the living God. You're it. And he said, you've got it, Peter. And on, I have renamed you Peter, the strong one, the steady one. And he said, and, the, and then I give you the keys of the kingdom. And he's given those to us. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. Do you understand that's as? Do you understand who you are? Most of us don't. But that's the journey we're on, to protect our identity and keep on building into it and relentlessly protect it and relentlessly put into it. That's the journey of being a Christian. It's not that we have to journey to be saved. It's not the journey to be good enough. You're it already. You are good enough. Our journey is to know who we are and walk in that. That's the journey. We're made to reign as kings and priests, we're called a royal priesthood. We're able to come boldly to the throne. Miracles, signs and wonders are part of our new creation reality. You know, the disciples, they walked around after they got this of who they were. And they walked around and they, and they you know, somebody would fall out of a window. And what did they do? They'd run downstairs, touch them and they'd be raised from the dead because they'd fallen out of the window and died because they'd been preaching for too long. Yeah? Peter and John, they were walking to church. And this man who had, was begging, and they said, we don't have cash on us today, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. New creation reality. They knew who they were. They knew who they were. And Jesus actually expects us to walk in that because he's, you're a king. You're a priest. You're actually child of God with resurrection power flowing on the inside of you. You have sparkly stuff on you. Did you know when you touch somebody, you've got stuff on you, to, to, you know, just to minister. 
He says, you are ministers of reconciliation. You're not just making it. You go, oh God, when I get it all together, when I sort this out, when, I, you know what, when I'm on top of things, you know what? He already says you are. He says you're above and not beneath, a winner, not a loser, a success and not a failure. You're blessed as you go in and you're blessed as you go out. You have the mind of Christ and you're healed by the stripes of Jesus and you prosper whatever you do today. Amen? That's from Deuteronomy 28, just to let you know, abbreviated form from a year two class. Did I get it right, Anna? <laughs> it wasn't yours. <laughs> yes? It's not that you have to get it all together. Jesus says you are already together. You're already together. You just keep on thinking about your old self, that dead man that's been buried. He says you're a new creation, kindness, and you have it all together in him. It's when we try to disconnect from him that everything falls apart. And that's what I want to talk about, and my last point is the gap. Because too often there is a gap, isn't there, between what I'm saying you are and what you actually live. And I want to talk about that. There's a gap between who God says we are and what God says about us and how we actually live and think about ourselves. We struggle constantly between the connection between the two. He's here, we're there, and he's saying all this stuff, but we're just like, yes? Or is it just me? Yeah? When efforts to live for God and do the right thing, we can too often give up on the possibility that we can be who God says we are. And God doesn't want us to give up. He says, know who I am. And then know who I say you are. And then protect that. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, he said, I am the light. And then he says in Matthew 5, you are the light. I am the light. And then he says, you are the light. We don't have much difficulty with believing that Jesus is a light, do we? But it's a little harder when then Jesus goes and says, you are the light. Because we know the dark spots and our weaknesses and all those things. You know, First Peter says that be holy as he is holy. And he goes on to say that you're a chosen generation, a holy nation, his own special people. And yet we feel the gap. Now, I talked about already how Peter, after he confessed that you are the Christ, the living God, and Jesus has said, you're my rock, and spoken who he was, then Peter messed up. And he says, oh, don't go to the cross. And the gap came between who Jesus said he was and how he behaved. He messed up. He got this revelation, and then he went back again. There was a gap. And we know that there was a gap between God and mankind, don't we? And then Jesus became the bridge. Most of us know that. But Jesus became the bridge. So there is no longer a divide of sin between God the Father, God the Creator, and us. Because Jesus became that gap. But what we've got to understand, that God doesn't come down to our level. He actually bridges that gap every day with us and wants to lift us up to his level. He closes the gap. He's the connection point. It's just not that he's a bridge and that's, you know, we're here and and there's no coming together. He says, I close the gap. And I don't just leave you there, you know, 
with this, with this unequal thing. He says, I then lift you up to heavenly places. I lift you up. I don't come down to your level anymore. I've done that already. What I do now is I lift you up. I lift you up and I bridge the gap. And he closes that gap. The way we live in our new creation reality, knowing that Jesus is God, that he loves us, and what he says about us is that he is the connection. If we disconnect from him, we keep on living back here and going, why can't I, am I ever going to be the possibility of what God says I am? Am I ever going to be that person that's steadfast? Am I ever going to be that person that gets out of bed when the alarm goes off to pray? Am I ever going to be that person who doesn't rant and rave, you know, at five o'clock in the afternoon when everything's a bit stressy? Am I ever going to be the person who's able to pray for somebody and, you know, be confident about it? Am I ever going to be the person that God keeps on saying I am? And he says, the way you bridge that gap between what God says and who you feel you are right now is you've got to stay connected to him. He bridges the gap. He is our connection point. He gives us everything we need. And what you acknowledge, when you acknowledge it, yes, you do have a gap, that you do mess up, that you are less than you should be, that, you met, that you, uh, you know, you nev- you're not rising to where you know you should be is instead of beating ourselves up, we've got to acknowledge that God is not a liar. If he says something about you, he's not lying. Isn't that a revelation? If he says that about you, that you're the righteousness of God, that you are deeply loved, that you're a chosen generation, that you're a precious people to him, that he has a plan and purpose, then if you acknowledge that you have a gap, you have to acknowledge that he is not a liar too. He's not a liar. There is no lies in him. There's only light. We're just not accessing and accepting who we are. It's a bit like, now I hope I get this, this technology um, illustration right. Here we go. Ivan, you can correct me if I get it wrong. <laughs> I've got this Mac computer because my other thing broke down. And... Uh, when you're typing away and, and you get your photos in and you, you're on, you know, you've got your Facebook stuff and all the information that you have, all that information isn't actually on the computer. It's in the cloud. All right? It's in the cloud, all that info. And uh, as long as you've got your passwords right, <laughs> then you're going to be good to access that stuff from the cloud. But if you try and bang away on your old PC that is no longer any good, or you bang away on your, you know, you're this lovely new Mac, and you're not connected to the cloud, you're not going to get any of your lovely information, are you? Have I got that right? Yes, sort of. <laughs> okay. Now, the, the cloud isn't in your computer. The cloud is over in a big server somewhere that looks after everybody's information and sends it where it needs to. Is that right, Stuart? <laughs> All right, and I want, I, I, I get that because I have issues with my Mac and it's a new thing for me. We went Apple and, uh, and I, you know, like I, if I went to my Mac and I tried to treat it and I have done, I'll admit, like my other thing and I try to make it work like my old PC, which was a different model, it doesn't work. I can't get things out. The passwords don't work. I get very irritated and Ivan comes and helps me. 
and, and it doesn't work. And you know what? That's the same when our connection isn't right. When we know that we've, we're a new creation, we, we get that. But if we try to make a new creation being work without being connected to the cloud, without being connected to Jesus, it doesn't work. You'll bang away at those computers, you'll bang away, but nothing happens. Nothing happens because you're using the wrong technique. You're using the wrong knowledge. And it's the same when Jesus came and gave us a new creation. We're a new creation. We're a lovely, new, sparkling creation, a new being never been seen before, not a replacement for old thing. This lovely, sparkly thing, like my Mac is a lovely, silver, sparkly thing. It was all bright and shiny. We're like that. But if we bang away trying to do things in our life, trying to make things work, or the old way, and yet trying to be who Jesus called us to be, it's not going to work. Because the cloud has all the information, and the cloud is Jesus. And if you try to live the Christian life doing what you did before, you're going to bang away at it, get frustrated, and give up on the possibility of who God says you are. You have to change what you're doing and get the information from Jesus and use his knowledge of who you are to be able to work that new life. You get that? Was that all right? I got that. Yeah? He has everything we need. He is the cloud. He makes it all. And if we're disconnected, and on some of my devices, I'm disconnected from that cloud. It doesn't work. I can't get info because I can't remember the passwords. You know what? Our password to everything we need in heavenly places is Jesus. Amen? That's all we've got to know, that you are a new creation. You are a new being. But if you try to do things disconnected from Jesus, it's going to be like my Mac where I can't get anything happening because it won't work. If you try to do life and Christianity without being connected to him and his way of doing things, you can read this, but it won't work. You can pray, but you just feel like you're banging away and nothing happening because you've got to be connected to him and who he says you are and how he says to do things. You've got to be connected. So when you know there's a gap, I want to encourage you, connect and stay connected and keep on learning who he says you are, because that's a lifelong journey. You know, we want Christianity to be, to be this ruler, this walk, and you get to the end, and you know everything, and you've got it all down, you've done all the courses, and you know it all. Don't we? You know what? Our walk with God is like this great, big, expanse horizon. There is no end in him. And we just keep on learning and learning. I've been saved since I was a tiny little girl. I actually can't remember not knowing Jesus. I must have been tiny, a little, little tot. And I can't remember not knowing him. But I tell you what, I know this much about him. I know that, that there is so much more of him. And he says, if you just stay connected to me, stay connected like that Mac to the cloud, you're going to get all the information downloaded that you need. You're going to get everything that I say you are is just going to work. That gap as you learn to know who I am and how to do things is going to get less and less. I'm going to keep on saying you're awesome. I'm going to keep on saying you have a hope and a future. I'm going to keep on saying that you're worthy and I love you. He's going to keep on saying that. And as you stay connected, that gap 
is going to get less and less and less. And whenever you mess up, you be like the prodigal son who remembered who he was. He came to himself and said, you know what? I'm going home. And that gap just keeps on getting smaller until you are awesome. You know, he already says you're it, but you live out that awesome life. You live out that new creation reality of all that he created us to be in him. Amen? Let's give him a shout of praise. I think he's a good God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you close the gap, Lord, that we can just be connected to you. And I just pray this morning that we would continually acknowledge who you are, that we would remember who we are in you and what you say about us. Lord, we acknowledge in our lives that you are king, that you are our Lord, that you're our saviour, that you're creator, that you are righteousness, that you are everything, Lord. We acknowledge that today. We remind ourselves of who you are. And Lord, I pray as I've spoken this morning that you would continually through this week remind us of who you say we are. And any of that stinking thinking or the old man or woman that tries to pop up, we just cut those things off in the name of Jesus. We just remind ourselves of who you say we are, that we are righteousness, that we are holy, that we are set free, that we are the redeemed, the rescued, and that you love us. Lord, remind us of who we are in you. As we study your word, as we read it, that you would just, the, the words would jump out, living words to us, and remind us who we are in, in you, and that we would protect that. We would not let that be stolen from us. Lord, where it has been stolen, we have forgotten. Lord, I pray that you would help us to come running home to you, to remind ourselves of who we are, and come to our senses. And Lord, help us to stay connected to you. To everything that you are, we have access to. But it's as already. I pray a blessing on each person here, Lord. For those that are away traveling, Lord, we pray you'd protect them as they travel home. And Lord, that you would just surround us with your love. Surround us with your strength, Lord. That you're our shield and our strong song, Lord. You give us everything we need. We pray a blessing on each person here, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen.